When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Everybody and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast, part of the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, a proud member of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, as always, well, not as always, every other week usually, joined here always by my compatriot here in this platform, Evan Lang. What do you mean every other week? We record weekly. Well, we take turns hosting. Oh. I was, I was really confused. Like, what do you mean he's only here every other week? When have I, I've been here, I hope. No, Evan, those episodes, it's usually just you talking. I don't really exist. That would explain a lot, to be honest. Probably. The uh, being a Colorado Rockies fan for, for so long finally snapped my fragile little mind. Yeah, I'm, I actually disappeared like two years ago <laughs> over the Bermuda while flying over the Bermuda Triangle Skylar Timmons disappeared mm-hmm. probably would be a heck of a lot better than the Rockies yeah they disappeared for most of that game against the athletics yesterday mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because they've actually been decent coming out of the all-star break all kinds to talk about here, but as always, we'll just hop right into it. Tons to talk about. Uh, we've got a trade we can talk about because they did something earlier in the week, and we talked about it a little bit in a bonus episode, at least I did, so this will be a chance for Evan to talk some more about it, uh, and then we'll talk about injuries galore, of what's been going on, just some updates with injuries, and a very high-priced occupant of the injured list once again as well as our pitching getting decimated again for next year. And then just some more smorgasbord talking about pitching, uh, good pitching performances, some other random news around with the team. So lots of fun stuff to do. We'll hop right into it. The trade of the week, early in the week, the Rockies traded right-handed pitcher, reliever, closer, Colorado kid, Pierce Johnson, to the Atlanta Braves for a couple of pitching prospects of Victor Vodnik and something Gordon, right? Tanner Gordon? Uh, yes. That's how good we prep on this show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they trade for a couple of prospects, a top 10 prospect, pretty much two top 30 prospects out of the Braves organization. One's a starter, one's a reliever more so. First trade, first reactions, here for you, Evan, or I guess your just thoughts on the trade as it as it's gone down and just kind of as you've sat on it throughout the week. Uh, 
I'm still happy with this trade. Uh, I didn't really get a chance to talk about it on the day of because uh, I was unavailable. And you did that uh, that great little short bonus episode on the trade. The fact that the Rockies got not one but two prospects out of the Braves organization for a guy with an ERA over six is really a, a good return. And the fact that there are two pretty promising guys. Now, Victor Vodnik was the number 10 organizational prospect for the Braves. And Gordon, I think, was number 26, um, which is both really solid. Now, granted, in a... In a much deeper farm system, like the Rockies, the, the Braves don't have a super deep farm system right now. So they have a bad farm system, but you know, over the last couple of years as they've been making their pushes, a lot of their young guys and top prospects have been promoted and, and, and graduated from the prospect list. And because they're trying to keep in contention for their window, the, the farm is not necessarily their top priority. So uh, number 10, Victor Vodnik becomes number 20 here in the Rockies system. And then uh, Tanner Gordon, I think, is just out of the top 30. But again, the fact that Pierce Johnson suits a need for the Braves and he was on a one-year deal with us, that, that we got out of a one-year rental to decent pitching prospects, which is exactly what we needed. Guys who have already been assigned to double uh, A Albuquerque, not double A Albuquerque, Albuquerque is the triple A team, double A Hartford. And depending on how they do, we could see them in, um, you know, triple A by the end of the year, or we could see them in triple A next year, but more closer to MLB ready, higher level prospects than we've had because that's been an issue for this team is that um, a lot of our pitching prospects are in are in high A and low A and the the pitching depth is is not great in in triple A and even in double A uh, we've got a decent amount of relievers coming up but uh, Vodnik is a reliever I believe he he throws quite well he profiles more as a bit of a fireballer and then uh, Gordon is a little bit more of your back end of rotation starter uh, overall I really really like the trade and you know it's it's a bummer that we trade away a um, you know the Colorado native because it's always nice to have guys from Colorado on this Colorado team but I think this will be good for Johnson because I think the Braves will be able to um, get him more back into form like his his stuff doesn't work particularly well at altitude. And I think the Braves realize that we can probably fix some of that stuff and get some good use out of him. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, he's on a, he was on a one-year deal. He wasn't potentially really coming back anyway. So good trade. It was absolutely something the Rockies needed to do. Now, of course, it's the second trade of the season during the season. We traded Mike Mustakis for Connor Van Skoyuk, uh earlier. And the Rockies really just need to keep doing that Keep trading your guys. Keep trading your one-year contract guys. There is no reason for us to be hanging on to a lot of these older guys. And I'm really hoping that, you know, if not during the show, then at least over the course of the weekend when we are recording here, that we're going to get some more some more trades going on. Yeah, that'd be really nice. And hopefully you don't hear the vacuum cleaner that's going on behind me in the distance uh it's this is a good buyer's market it seems at the moment where some of the trades that have gone down kind of seem like overpays like you can get some good stuff in this trade market right now especially for your relievers if you can turn pierce johnson into those two you know reliever these two pitchers that you've gotten these draft 
or these prospects, what can you get for some of these other guys? Because, hey, you can might be able to get some good returns on a lot of these guys, and you got to strike while the iron's hot. And that's, well, as we're recording here on Saturday, every day it's like, well, are, will the Rockies do something? Like, make a trade already. We see teams around the league are starting to get really active, starting to make moves, and still Rockies are sitting on their hands, you know, waiting until that they're procrastinating. They're that college student trying to rush, waiting until the very last minute to write their three-page essay. No, their five-page essay that's due at midnight on Tuesday night. So hopefully they can get active and start doing some things. So then when we, right now, we're hoping to plan to do a extra show on Tuesday after the trade deadline passes, that we actually have something to talk about and hopefully some exciting things to talk about, some interesting things to talk about, because this kind of blends into our next conversation here. Uh, if you want to hear more of my thoughts, you can look back in our podcast, quick reaction to it. But just the Rockies trade deadline history in general that we want to talk a little bit about more recently, especially in these past several years, you know, during basically the, the Bud Black era of being a manager, probably dating back to like 2015 even or so of just their trade deadline activity of or the lack thereof. Of they they've grown the reputation of just holding on to guys, Evan. Yeah, and it's in in 2017 and 2018 they made some moves at the deadline um, that were considered pretty solid moves, um, all things considered. So in in 2017 you had uh, Pat Neshek, the um, sidearm sinker baller style, not sinker baller, um, submarine style. Um, relief pitcher and Jonathan Lucroy uh, as a veteran catcher. And both of those were really good additions to that 2017 team. And then uh, neither of them stuck around. Supposedly the Rockies offered them similar deals to what they got elsewhere. And they both do uh, both decided to move on after their tenure with the Rockies. So those really were rentals for that year. And then in 2018, you had uh sung one. Oh, and uh, that one year in 2018, sung one. Oh, was, fantastic for the Rockies. He was, he was a really important part of that playoff push, but then in, it was 2019. I think he just, he really nosedived in terms of injuries and the quality of his pitching. And that's really all she wrote in terms of trades, other than the bizarre move to trade for Michael Givens and Kevin um, (laughs) and Kevin Pillar in a year where the Rockies were not really contending were not particularly good and sh- should have sold. They instead bought those two guys um, that made no sense at the time. I think for Givens, we traded, um, was it Tyler Nevin and Taryn Vavra? And, and a third prospect. And a third prospect. You know, neither of them are, are really lighting the MLB world on fire right now. Uh, Nevin is with the AAA affiliate of the Detroit Tigers. And uh, Taryn Vavra has been sort of up and down in the uh, Orioles organization. But outside of that, they really haven't done much. A lot of their deadline moves have been minor league moves. Um, or when they got rid of then Michael Givens uh, to bring back, uh, when they were bringing back Case Williams, who they had traded previously. Mm-hmm. And it was good to bring Case Williams back. But then you have other deadlines where it was very clear they should have been sellers. Uh, the the one that really comes to mind is that they 
they clutched on tightly to Trevor Story, who didn't want to be here anymore and was so frustrated by not being traded that he had to sit out the, the game the night of the deadline. And John Gray, who wanted to stay, but then we lowballed him on an offer and then um, his his agent and, and himself took a, a much better offer from the Rangers and he's having a fabulous season over with Texas. Um, but it's just frustrating to see because it, it feels like every year, especially recently, 2020, 2021, 2022, we know what the Rockies need to do and they don't do it. And it was the same as last year where they didn't do anything at the deadline. They sat on their hands and they didn't do anything when you could have tried to, you know, trade Jose Iglesias or, or really anybody on that team. And now they're in the same situation now where you have a bunch of these guys on one year or expiring contracts that you're not going to give a, a qualifying offer to a Brad Hand or CJ Crone or anybody like that. So you're not going to get your compensatory draft picks why aren't you like the, the Rockies should have already moved, I think a couple more people right mm-hmm. now. And I know that the Rockies have, have that bad habit of waiting and trying to get the most out most that they possibly can out of their guys if they want to trade them. But that leads to them overvaluing the pieces that they have and then not viewing anything as a good deal. We saw that with the Trevor story where they say that, Oh, we didn't receive any serious offers for him. But Story didn't want to come back. He wasn't going to sign the QO. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't getting anything in return of him better. And now, granted, you 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 did get the compensatory draft pick for Story that turned into Sterling Thompson, and he's been really good in, in the Rockies minor league organization. But he's, you know, still in that lower half of the farm system. He's not going to be affecting the team for a while. And this team needs needs depth. And it needs to capitalize on the fact that we have guys who can be difference makers on other teams. And we're seeing all these other teams start to pull the trigger. The uh, The White Sox traded three pitchers uh, yesterday at time of recording. So that would have been uh, Friday afternoon in, um, who they trade? Joe Kelly and Lance Lynn. Kendall, Kendall Graveman and Lance Lynn. All two yeah. contending teams. And they got a pretty good haul back. And for, they've also sent out Lucas Giolito as well and and they got a pretty good haul back for a lot of those guys especially guys like lance lynn and joe kelly both of whom have like six plus eras but you know the the dodgers analytics guys are looking and going we can fix that because it's the dodgers and i know you know the rockies aren't going to trade with the dodgers of course not but you've got to take a look at guys like randall gritchick who's been scorching hot here recently and see, you know, the Yankees or the Phillies or anyone and just take what you can get. Especially you can sweeten the pot with the fact that Toronto is paying part of his salary this year. So whoever takes him on isn't even having to pay his full remaining salary for the rest of the season. And I'm I'm really hoping, I'm really, really hoping that come Tuesday, we actually have a show for y'all instead of another year where the Rockies didn't do anything on the deadline Mm -hmm. yeah it's this that history of just not doing anything sitting on their hands and you know and the problem too is they've kind of shown a history of 
not being very good with the returns. Because you can look back at 2015, where they're really their last big, big trade of trading away uh, Troy Tulowitzki to Toronto, along with LaTroy Hawkins. And that return was terrible. There's nothing, the Rockies have nothing to show for it still. Of You had what, Jeff Hoffman? He's in Philadelphia now after being terrible. Uh, I've even lost track of it. Jose Reyes, who uh, is a unsavory individual. And some other folks that don't even know their names. Is it like I Miguel can't Castro, him, I think? Who... who went on to be good somewhere else. He's with Arizona now. So The Rockies had nothing to show for this trade. You look at the Nolan Arenado trade, still really nothing to show for it. Yeah, um... I, I think I saw, I think Drew Creaseman posted it the other day, where of all of the big trades of the Nolan Arenado trade and the Troy Tulowitzki trade, the top performer in terms of war is Austin Gomber. Mm-hmm. And he's been pretty ooh, up and down. Yeah. And in, in July, Gomber was great, but for large parts of this season and, and large parts of last season, he was not great. Mm-hmm. So it brings that conversation. That we've even mentioned it before of uh, the Rockies overvaluing the assets they have and you no, know, or making moves with their heart instead of their brain in a way of, you know, valuing the loyalty and the marketing and, and they don't want pushback on things or just overvaluing guys. So then that holds them back from making moves because they're loyal to a fault on a lot of stuff. Even when you know, a guy like Trevor story or John gray don't, you don't want to gamble of, like, Oh, we're going to bring them back. Like we're confident we can bring them back. We hope they come back. If there's any doubt that you can't bring a guy back and he's not going to be here the next year and you're out of contention, you got to move on from him. You look at the Los Angeles Angels, they're holding on to a hope that they feel confidence of, oh, we can bring Shohei back. So they're going in. They're going in at this trade deadline trying to build the team up and get them to the to the playoffs to show to him, hey, we're, we're, we're committed to this and we want you to stay. Whereas the Rockies, they've just been, they haven't done, either they don't do enough at the deadline or they just do way too little. They don't do anything at all. I think that was the big argument in that 2018 uh, trade deadline where the team with some obvious holes, there's probably obvious additions you could have made to push you over the edge. And what do you do? You just get someone else. And that's it. Just one reliever. Whereas there's so much more they could have done and then set them up to do more in that offseason. But instead, they just kind of did nothing or they didn't do enough. Then... They just disappear in the playoffs after the wild card. Even then, that was a difficult one. And then that kind of helps erode the Nolan Arnato uh, relationship where he demands a trade, kind of like what's happening with the Cardinals now. But we won't talk about that. So it's I'll just. Talk about, I'll talk about it a little bit that uh, the rumors are once again abound that Nolan Arnato could be going to the Dodgers. And I'll say just this on that is that I really wonder if. Nolan Arenado ending up on the Dodgers would knock some knock at least a little bit of sense into Dick Monfort of all of my screw ups over the last few years 
has landed one of the Rockies' best players of all time into the hands of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I have nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. And that's just, yeah, their lack of activity at the deadline, just kind of snowball effect where Nolan Arno could be a Dodger because he just can't handle being on one losing season on a storied franchise. Oh, well. But yeah, so trade deadline, really weird stuff. Hopefully, maybe something pops up in this next 40 minutes that we'll be recording this podcast, <laughs> which would be a miracle, Evan. But hopefully yeah. by Tuesday, especially, uh, so the day after you're hearing this, we'll have a, another podcast drop in. Hopefully talking about just, we'll do a recap of what's happened happened with the trade deadline. Yeah. Hopefully I mean, we'll I've have got, moves made. I've got my Twitter feed open. And I keep your refreshing X it. feed, Evan. It's um, your X feed. I'm not calling it that. No <laughs> one's calling that. It's stupid. I you're looking do for. It. You're looking at Zeets. <laughs> Let's go to ad break. <laughs> That's one trade we'd like to have never happened in the world. Anyways, trade deadline. It's very frustrating, but hopefully we'll have some talk about. But yeah, Pierce Johnson to the Braves. One good thing happened. Randall Gritchick, you're up next. Yeah. And and, and real real quick. The Mike Mustakis trade, I think, was good. Yes. And we've seen in the offseason the uh trade for sending Juan Brito to Cleveland for Nolan Jones has ended up being really good. This team has it in them to make good trades. They just have to do it. Mm-hmm. They have to trust themselves and also, you know concede as well of really like yeah we're probably not going to get the best offer we're not going to get a, t- a number one prospect for randall gritchick but maybe we can get a top 10 we can get somebody's number 10 oh that's good a number 10 in someone else's system could end up being like a top a top five in our system oh take a chance see what you can do for these lower rentals we don't have really have those big names right now of no, Orion McMahon, yeah, you'd probably want a little bit a bigger return on that. So you'd take your time on that one because it's more impactful. But for Randall Gritchick, eh, take what you can get, which could be pretty good. It's like Miss Frizzle said, when it comes to the deadline, you have to take chances, make mistakes, and get messy. And with that, we're going to hop on the Magic School Bus into an ad break. Stick around. We'll be right back talking about injuries. Hello, everybody, and welcome back here. Hop on the Magic School Bus. Immediately we get copyright striked. Uh, I don't think either of us are good enough singers for that. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm a good singer. I just need time to practice. Anyways, uh, we're here to talk about injuries, Evan, which seems to be all we talk about week to week because injuries have really sucked this season, decimating the roster in many ways, shape, or form. While it's not... All to blame on injuries of why the Rockies are where they're at this season. Injuries have certainly not helped, especially when it comes to pitching, which we'll talk about in just a second. But some of the good news, CJ Crone is quote-unquote back from his back. Uh, it continues to be a problem for him, but he's been back in the, in the, in the lineup. Uh, sw- he said swinging doesn't bother him. It's just kind of everything else has kind of been bothersome. 
which unfortunately may kind of impact his ability to be traded because you don't want to trade for somebody and then have their back just blow out on you. So there's question marks about him, but he's back in the lineup. He's been good since coming back originally from the back spasms that had kept him out for a while and into this all-star break out of the all-star break. Really good. So he's back. Kyle Freeland's back from his shoulder thing. Might've been a little too early, but that with everything, there's a lot of problems with Freeland, but these two here, it's always good to see a guy come back from injury. These impact guys, but still, still some red flags about, about the, about what's going on with CJ Crone and Kyle Freeland. Yeah. With, with Kyle, it's, so the the game against the athletics on Friday night was was a tough one, and it wasn't necessarily all Kyle's fault. He did get some hard hits off of him and leave some pitches sort of middle cut. But the the defense also really let him down where the Rockies committed three errors during that game, which is is not great. But there's other red flags about Kyle Freeland, such as his uh, his fastball velocity being way down, where he's barely getting it above eighty eight. Um, and he's sat in, in a couple games this year at like 85 on his fastball. And that that is a concern. And the fact that he's not really sure what's up with it, the organization is not really sure what's up with it either, is is a little worrying. And especially you in a season like this, you start to wonder if worst case scenario, you pull the ripcord and shut him down for the season to try and figure figure this out. Uh-huh. Uh, the Rockies don't really have the pitching depth for that right now. Uh, and all we can do is really wait and see, but that's a concern. And then it's the same with CJ where uh, his back, you know, kept him out for like six weeks. He came back, looked amazing. And then his back started bothering him again. And the big thing for CJ outside of his health, obviously is like you said, that this could affect the, the trade market for him where CJ is in, in the last year of his deal with the Rockies and being able to move him, it would be really important for this organization. And if he can't really get back up to speed um, by the deadline, then that's really going to cause some issues of the magnitude of return we can get for him, or if we can even get a return for him at all. Uh, because you're not going to, it's the same as a lot of other guys. CJ is probably not going to be back next year. I can't imagine this team offering him the, 18 million plus qualifying offer because of course he's going to take that he's you know 33 34 years old that's a that's a big chunk of change for a guy who hasn't made as much in his career as he probably would have liked but that's just the that's just the concern i have right now is that if he can't get healthy quick and show that he's healthy uh-huh. Within these next couple days, that that can really put a dent in what I'm hoping for this organization to be doing. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a big one because he's a guy you could have moved last year, uh, but you didn't. And then this year, you should be able to move him, but then his back might not let you. And so, uh, see, unless somebody just really wants to take him to be a bench bat DH and rehab his back as that project... It's going to be tough for CJ Crone because he would help out a lot of people like we talked about last week when we were coming up with destinations for him or whatever. And so it's going to be tough. And then on Kyle Freeland real quick with his velocity thing. Oh man, it's going to be a tough one 
this is just my speculation and watching him. He really doesn't have much power in his legs and pitching power comes from his, from the legs and just watching his mechanics. At least from what I can gather, what my speculation is, what my, my uh, prognosis would be is he, something with the legs, just his mechanics and pushing off of the rubber there's just really no much. There's not really a lot of drive and power behind his legs, and that could be one contributing thing. Where with his kind of just falling off the mound and way he falls off, there's not a lot of power behind legs, so it's a lot of just whip action off the arm. That's one speculation could be, but again, that's just me not being a professional pitching coach. So there, there's theories out there of why he's lost that velocity maybe it is just another injury somewhere fatiguing that shoulder still because remember he's had those shoulder injuries before in his pitching arm as well so maybe there's just an undisclosed injury that we're not quite sure of but who knows and you're right that it could be mechanical he's underwent several mechanical changes in his delivery over the course of his career is you had, you know, he had his his 2018 year where he was excellent. And then when he struggled in 2019, it was uh, allegedly that the uh, Rockies had kind of tried to mess and mess with and adjust with his mechanics a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then he he had such a tough 20, 2019 and he had to come back and he had adjusted his mechanics again. Mm-hmm. So that's entirely possible. And it, it also could be any sort of, of nagging injury or anything like that. But definitely a worry, especially with the the amount of issues that this team has had with pitchers all over the place, um, including the fact that we might as well just get to it now is that uh, yet another Rocky starting pitcher has hit the injured list, and that is Chase Anderson. Mm-hmm. Which is fun to see. He's had up and down. He's had some good starts. He's had some bad starts, but it's just still tough. Once you see another pitcher go down with a, oh, was it a shoulder injury type thing? Something again, just they all, it seems everybody just has a problem with their shoulder, uh, with, with right shoulder inflammation for Chase Anderson, which has been a running theme this year for the Rockies. It's always some sort of shoulder or elbow inflammation, broken hands, broken fingers. So it's tough. We lose out on Chase Anderson on the 15-day injured list. Hopefully he can come back, be healthy, even though just eat innings. That's really all we need from starting pitchers this season now is to eat innings. Uh, But not a whole lot to talk on Chase Anderson there. It's just rough to see another injury impact the roster. So then that opens the gate for Chris Flexen, who we'll talk about in a little bit in the later half. And then... Yeah, it's just it's another starting pitcher um, biting the dust, and, and we'll. Do you want to just go ahead and talk about the Tommy John parade now? Yeah, let's go ahead and do with that. We'll we'll leave the big, the big boy for the end of this segment. So it was announced. Hey, we already knew Antonio Sensatello was going to get the Tommy John surgery. That happened, uh, but it was also announced that three other, uh, <laughs> three other prospects would be getting Tommy John surgery, uh, some top prospects as well, including Rocky's 2022 first round pick, Gabriel Hughes, 
who was having a pretty solid season, slowly making his rise up. Uh, Jordy Vargas and then uh, Jackson Cox was the other one. Mm-hmm. So those three of the prospects also having to get Tommy John surgery. Uh, a lot of jokes that Dick Monfort got the three for one, three for one deal on Tommy John surgeries, I guess. Buy three, get one free. But uh, it's just devastating to see this many Tommy Johns just all hit at once and really leaves the Rockies roster in a mess for the 2024 season, even into 2025. Yeah, the, the this especially is, is bad. So this was um, on the 24th of July that Senzi and we already knew Senzi Taylor was going to get Tommy John. It was just a matter of when. So this was not a surprise, although it is unfortunate because that is two big league pitchers on this Rocky staff that uh, get Tommy John and will miss the majority of, if not all of the 2024 season. Um, but then do you have these three prospects and these three prospects are big name prospects. These are three of the top five organizational pitching prospects two of whom are pitching for low a Fresno and then Gabriel Hughes, who's already up in double a Hartford and Gabriel Hughes is especially concerning because he was sort of very quietly moved onto the seven day injured list with a partial UCL tear. And I had a sinking feeling the moment that happened, that this was coming and I hate being proven right because Gabriel Hughes was a long shot, but still a chance that like he could have been making a difference on the big league team next year. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was ascending really, really quickly through the minors, and he was looking very good while doing so. And now he will miss the entire 2024 season. And then you have two guys, both in low A, who will miss a crucial year of development because of this. And the reason why this is so concerning is that now that we've had five pitchers in the organization need Tommy John surgery, and the awful injury luck that we've had or even if you can call it luck at this point with all of our other starting pitchers. The the one that I discount is um, is Ryan Feltner because that is just bad luck. It's, it's not anyone's fault that he took a line drive to the head. But for all these other ones, for the elbow and the shoulder issues, you really have to wonder if it's time that the Rockies really need to take a look at their training staff, training philosophy and training regimen for pitchers in their organization at all levels, because this is concerning to lose all of these pitchers, especially again, three of your top five pitching prospects in the organization and four of them in one week. That is alarm bells for me. That is a huge concern. Uh-huh. Well, and also a bigger conversation of just the, I guess, the stress and workloads that all these younger pitchers face these get, days before they're even drafted of growing up playing baseball through their little leagues and high school and college, all that work and stress that they've put on their arms. And then they get into a big leagues where it's that workloads magnified tenfold to some things they've never done before in their in their lives. And so it was sort of just a matter of time where Tommy John surgery is just kind of a rite of passage now <laughs> for every young player or young pitcher coming up in their careers that, oh, yeah, I'll probably get Tommy John at some point. And it's just kind of a given, which is unfortunate because that's a larger conversation of just the status of youth baseball and organized stuff growing up. But it is disconcerting, though, of what 
measures can we take to prevent these things on these prospects? You know, what can we do differently to address this and get ahead of these things so then we're not having, you no. Know, if, if one of these guys goes down, okay, that, we can cope with that. But losing three at once, plus one of your big league arms, who you've already lost for the 2023 season, now you lose them for the 2024 season. So we're not going to see Sensatella again really until 2025. It is really concerning and, and disheartening because then it puts more pressure on them to figure out, well, how do we do pitching? Who's going to pitch for us and everything? So it's it's just, I, I hate Tommy John surgery. I hate it yeah. so much. And, and, you know, thankfully, Tommy John is not the career death sentence that it used to be. It has a, a much better prognosis now than it did, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, even, or even 10 years ago, because, you know, improvements in medical technology, improvement in sur- surgical techniques, people can come back from it, but it's still not a guarantee that you'll come back from it or that you'll ever be the same picture that you were before. Mm-hmm. That year long recovery, that year plus recovery is just, uh, it just, that horrible feeling of, when you hear it and you're like looking at the calendar and you think, Oh, we're not going to see this guy until 2025. Yeah. And, and, you know, you have Lucas Gilbreth who we, we haven't talked about in a while who's out this season from getting Tommy John Tyler Kinley already had Tommy John, but he missed such a huge chunk getting um, a different elbow surgery. Noah Davis has had issues with his elbow this year. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot in this organization and it really, it worries me. Because it, it's not just, you know, for the competing team, but like of how this is happening to so many of our pitchers. And, you know, this is their this is their livelihood. This is what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like the human body was not meant to pitch. Those poor elbows. But, yeah, so Tommy John again and whatever we're calling it, the injury cast, all this stuff, really disheartening. But... They'll figure it out eventually, and hopefully those guys get speedy recoveries. Uh, real quick here, I guess our last segment of this of this portion. The big white whale, again, on the injured list. Surprise, surprise, Chris Bryant head to the injured list, this time with a fracture in a finger. Was this pinky finger? One of his fingers because the Miami Marlins can't throw inside and kept hitting him, and he ends up getting injured. Heads back to the injured list once again, and it's going to take take three years into this seven year contract for Chris Bryant to play 162 games in total for the Rockies. Which the more he gets injured, this one was bad luck, uh, but still, really just frustrating that this contract just continues to look worse and worse because Chris Bryant just can't stay healthy, stay on the field, which is off because he was actually doing pretty decent since he, in this latest stretch before heading to the injured list. And it's just really frustrating. I feel like we keep saying that of, uh, before he got hurt this time, he was doing really good. I know. That's because he has been. When he's not hurt, Chris Bryant has been a valuable bat. Now his his defense is not that great, but, you know, he's he's never really been a defensive first player. (laughs) But he just keeps keeps landing on the IL and you know this one it really was he got hit in three straight games and one hit him in the hand and this is very similar to the Charlie Blackman injury 
uh, where back in early June, Charlie Blackman took a pitch to the hand and it broke his finger. And, you know, now Chuck has been out for the majority of June and majority of July. And what this probably means, unfortunately for KB, is that we're not going to see him again this season. Mm-hmm. It's probably very much the case. And it's all because I like Chris Bryant. Oh, we both, we liked the signing. It didn't make sense, eh, but we liked it still because he's a good player, a good leader, or oh, we don't see much of him, what his leadership stuff is in the clubhouse or hear about it as much, but a good player. But unfortunately, he just can't stay healthy. And regardless of how good of a player he is, if you're getting paid $26 million a year for seven years, you need to be on the field and broken finger. Not much you can do with that. Maybe get out of the way of the pitch a little better, which is hard to do when it's a 95 mile an hour fastball right at you. But what can you do? except just shake your head. And at this point, it's just comical of <laughs> he just can't stay healthy. And it's, it's like Lewitsky. Prior to prior to coming to the Rockies, Chris Bryant was not especially known as like a fragile or injury prone player. He had only played less than a hundred games in a season one time, mm-hmm. and now, like he said, it'll take him three years of a seven year deal to play the equivalent of one full season. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, you look at the <laughs> I joked about this of just trying not to think about where that money could have been spent instead of signing Chris Bryant because hindsight's always 2020, but it's this deal just looks, is this already a lost contract? Just a wash of a contract after these two years, 107 games as a Rocky. I would say yes at this point, because he's only going to keep getting older and Mm -hmm. it doesn't get easier to stay healthy. The older you get the fact that it's going to take him three, this was already an overpay. Like we, we acknowledged that when the signing first happened, but the fact then that he's missed the majority now of two seasons with injuries mm-hmm. out of out of the seven, this is not uh, a contract that's going to be looked well on when it's all said and done. No, for the most was it, this is pretty much the most expensive free agent signing the Rockies have ever done, one of, and it is just not panned out at all because the Rockies wanted a star even though they had stars, but they chose to try to alienate them and not keep them around. Wanted to start a market. No, this Saturday, you're going today that we're recording. You're going to the game. Who's the bobblehead. It's Chris Bryant as a Jedi, uh, because the Jedi turned things turned out so well for the Jedi as well. It's just, it's just comical. And we're stuck with him till the end of this contract. And hopefully he can next season just put in a full healthy year or give me 140 games, please something. And seeing him do play in March to October and MLB the show as the Rockies, Chris Bryant comes up and I'm like, Oh, let me look at his stats here. He's got like 19 home runs hitting 298, just doing everything the Rockies would hope for him. And I was like, man, I wish this could be reality. But alas, it is not, Evan. Instead, we're going to keep paying him to occupy the injured list. Yep. <sighs> the only bright side is that it's given 
a lot more playing time to guys like Nolan Jones. Exactly. Or like Michael Tolia can get some more playing time. Uh, hopefully Montero can get some more playing time. There's options for these guys. Uh, you can combine this with the trade deadline of things they need to do. There's always the silver lining to the injured list, but if Bryant's going to be on the injured list, I know he had had those comments of, uh, I like, I don't really like being that outspoken leader. He's going to have to learn to be that outspoken leader. He's got to learn to be contributing more off the bench when he's not in games. Mentoring these guys, teaching them. And I'm sure he's doing that, but maybe he has to do more and be even more outspoken, be a leader in that clubhouse, even more so if he's going to be injured all the time and not able to contribute on the field. Yeah. Tough break for him, though, but it wasn't his fault. And I'm really angry at the Marlins. Tough break. I see what I see what you did there. Lousy Marlins. Because his because his finger broke. No, oh. it was a, boo, tough break. boo. Oh, brother, this guy stinks. <laughs> and with that bombshell, we're gonna take another quick ad break. When we come back, uh, we're just gonna talk about some good pitching here, and we'll end on a good note here. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello, everybody. Welcome back here to Affected by Altitude on this third segment. Before we close out here, like I said, kind of kind of bad news. Some mixed bag of results here in news. Uh, but this third segment, we're going to end it on a good note because uh, there's actually been some good starting pitching uh, prior to Friday's game against the Athletics and hopefully Saturday goes just as well, and Sunday, against the Oakland A's, the worst team in baseball. But over that road trip and out of the All-Star break, Rockies pitching has been pretty decent, and two of the guys we wanted to highlight, first and foremost, the surprising return and rise of Peter Lambert, who, at least for now, in his first couple of starts, coming back to the Rockies and joining the rotation, has done well. Granted, it's been kind of against a, a somewhat struggling Marlins team that's still clinging to wild card spot and the Washington Nationals. But two starts for Peter Lambert has been the kind of pitcher the Rockies always seem to hope that he can be and that we all hope that he can continue to be moving forward. But a good start to being a starter for the Rockies here this season for Peter Lambert. A couple of starts, pretty good shutout innings. Allowed one unearned run. Pretty good. Excuse me. Yeah, for for Lambert, and we've discussed Peter Lambert before, where it felt like the Rockies were really hanging on too hard to the hope of what he could have been, Um, especially with all the injuries he's had. And, And earlier this season, we were talking about how we were just lucky to have him back and actually pitching at a big league level and just wait and see what we can get out of him from there. But necessity has pushed Peter Lambert back into the starting role, which was originally the goal for him is to be a mid to back end starter for this organization. And he made he's made two straight starts now. And one of them he was against those Miami Marlins, uh, five innings, three hits, no earned runs, uh, struck out three and walked one. And then he had a quality start against the uh, Washington Nationals earlier this week. Six innings, three hits, only one run unearned. 
and uh, two strikeouts to one walk. So he's not he's not striking out a ton of guys, but, but who he's, is he's getting the, he's getting the job done. He's limiting hits. He's been limiting runs. And granted, these are against two teams that you know the Marlins are not exactly an offensive powerhouse, and the Nationals are you know just as bad as the Rockies are. But having him come in and have those two straight really good starts is is awesome to see. And I'm really, really happy for Lambeau. Yeah, and it's, is he going to keep it going? It's just two starts, small sample size. You know, he had a good first couple of starts when he was a rookie, everything. But it's, if he can rise up and maybe achieve even some sort of resemblance of what he could be, no, that's nice. Be a no, if he can be a solid bottom of the rotation contri- contributor, that's great. But this goes back to our conversation of hey, don't become complacent with him if he if he does like okay throughout the end of the season, if he stays healthy, knock on wood. But don't just be complacent, pencil him in for next year automatically of oh, he did good in these starts, let's put him in for next year. Yeah. No, like your Jose Arenas. Yeah, like long, serious look, but take it while you can now. And it's just good for him. See a guy that's attacking the zone, getting ground balls, getting the outs. Just like everybody, we'd love to see more strikeouts, but good for Peter Lambert to rise up to this occasion and and really step up here. And no, it's only going to get tougher. He'll face tougher opponents throughout the rest of the season. Still have to play the Dodgers, the Giants, the Padres. Arizona, those tougher teams, and that's when we're really going to be like, okay, what, what, where's he at facing these types of teams instead of kind of these more bottom feeders? Uh, but then that can always turn on his head as we see what happens to Kyle Freeland yeah. with the Oakland A's. But it's good for him and just nice to see him performing. <laughs> well, yeah. after all these years and all the, well, we're waiting on Pierre Lambert to come back. Yeah, but his arm's falling off. Oh, we're gonna wait for him. We we have him. He's gonna help us. And and I get it because he he was one of our top pitching prospects. And you know we've unfortunately seen the same with Ryan Rollison this year of uh, a guy who's just really struggling to stay on the mound. And for for Lambert, and it's probably gonna be the same for Rollison of this year. He will be on in the rotation if he stays healthy for the rest of the season, you get a nice long look, the longest look that we've gotten to see from him as a starter. And, you know, like you said, you don't automatically give him a rotation spot in 2024, but basically have it be, it is his to lose in spring training next year uh-huh. and, and continue to see what you've gotten him. And I am, I'm really proud of, of Lambert for, for hanging in there. What, what he has had to deal with over the last few seasons is is really tough, and and I'm I'm happy he's back and he's pitching and he's starting and he's doing well. And now all we do is just we wait and see how the rest of the season goes, and how next season goes. Yeah, hopefully he comes in like a lion and out like a Lambert. Yes, but also still a lion. <laughs> no, but the, <laughs> we have a lion, and his name is Justin Lawrence, the Lion of Panama. Hmm. Watch out for sweepers. Sweepers uh, do be sweeping, though. They do be sweeping. Uh, and then, joining another guy in the rotation here, coming off Lambert, another one that's been fairly solid lately, 
for like the past month has been Austin Gomber, who has been a pretty fantastic uh, starter the, these past over the past month, uh, getting quality starts and just putting in good outings time, time again, which is good to see for Gomber that he's on that stretch of going up and, you know, we've seen him go up and down, but really ever since when he kind of acknowledged like the headspace that he had been in and just like the, the stress or like the anxiety he had been dealing with early in the season, ever since then, when he kind of had those conversations, we've seen him getting better and better on the mound and really molding back into that guy that we saw when he first started with the Rockies in 2021 on the mound where his future's still up in the air of what you do with him, but it's good to see see Gomber as well. Nope. Pitching up to his potential that he has on the mound. Yeah. For the, for the first time since this is going to really hurt to say for the first time since April 2nd, his ERA is under six. Hey, and you know, he had a he had a really tough stretch there where his ERA maxed out at like 12 um, early in the season. And it's been high six, low seven for, for a lot of the season. Finally, finally ticking underneath six right now. Uh, it's at 5.83. But what you really need to look at is where he's been at since sort of the halfway point in June. That's June 14th. Since June 14th, he's had five quality starts in eight appearances, which is great. Uh, He's been going long in pretty much every outing, at least five innings, most of them six, one of them seven. His strikeout numbers have been better. His curveball looks fantastic because that's the one thing about Gomber that we know is that his curveball, when it's on, is great. Uh Uh-huh. And that's what we're starting to see from him is the pitcher that we believed he could be. And what made him such an important part of that Nolan Arenado trade to begin with was that this is a guy who, you know, he's not your ace, but he's a mid to back end starter who is going to go out there and get the job done. And uh-huh. over the last month and a half, that is exactly what he's done. He's gone out there and he's gotten the job done uh-huh. where his last really, really rough outing was against the San Diego Padres in early June, where he went only four innings and gave up seven earned runs on 11 hits. Since then, he has not given up more than four earned runs in a game. And in most of the times he's been out there, he's only giving up two or three. And those Mm -hmm. are those quality starts. And that's exactly what you need, especially right now with how tough this year has been on the Rockies rotation is one, Gomber has stayed healthy. He has been out there and he has been pitching the entire season. And two, that he's rounding into a form where he is going out there and being a quality pitcher. Not just an innings eater, which is something that we need as well, but he is pitching well. Like It doesn't feel like you know we're putting out this guy just to get the game over with. We're putting out this guy and we have a chance to win a ball game with him on the mound. Mm-hmm. He leads the team in wins. I know that you can take wins with a grain of salt, but he's eight and eight <laughs> the record. So he's the only pitcher or the only starter with a 500 win percentage or better, but he's leads the team with eight wins and uh games started. He has 21 starts, just one more than Kyle Freeland. 
one more inning than Kyle Freeland at 108 innings pitched. Uh, he also leads the team in strikeouts at 72. And then he has those 30 walks. Uh, unfortunately, he rough number i'm sorry 72 strikeouts and we're in we're getting into august now that is so yep. rough yep next closest is kyle freeland at 66 and then connor siebold at 59 then it goes to pierce johnson at 58 those are your top four rounding it out uh you also have a uh, jake bird at 54 so that's kind of your top five whatever so uh, but austin gomber yeah, he still hasn't been great. Like home runs are still a problem, but as of late, especially you know, when he is getting tagged, it's for a home run. But for the most part, he's still making his pitches, doing what he can. He's basically the Jeff Francis of this season because 23, 2023 is just a reincarnation of the 2012 season. Austin Gomber is basically your Jeff Francis where it's still not great, but he's also kind of doing more than everybody else in a way of being your just your workhorse in that rotation but it's still good to see i like austin gomber no and ever since 2021 i was still no really high on him after that trade so of no one now so it was hopeful for him because yeah that curveball is amazing and that mindset that he had of i don't care that i'm pitching at coors field i'm gonna pitch the way i i do i'm not scared of this place I appreciated that, and he was has that potential. But then I think just a lot of other stuff, mechanics or on in access to information, and how the Rockies have tried to help develop him, as they do everybody else, of kind of trying to force him into the cookie cutter approach for the starters. Of you got to get ground balls. We don't want strikeouts. We want ground balls, and then that's just kind of messed with everybody. Yeah, but plus it, he had that back fracture at the end of yeah. the 2021 season. He's a guy who's dealt with a lot, and it's good to see him succeed. Yeah, and oh, I keep saying it like I don't know if he's still going to be around for next year. Maybe you keep him because he's still you know, in arbitration and stuff. But is he worth it with just the performances? If you want to turn a different direction, but for now, no. I like Austin Gomber. Easy to root for him. And hopefully he can keep it going through here the rest of the season. He's got that 0.4 B-War or R-War, if you want to get technical about it, according to baseball reference. <laughs> so tough to see him, but good for him uh, and whatnot. Wrapping up a few things here before we close out. Uh, Chris Flexen, he's on the roster now. I believe he's starting on Saturday, so... Uh, Evan can report back later about that one, but had some good starts down in Albuquerque, former Mariner, former, uh, no pun ham over across the sea pitching over there. Did really good in that landed him with the Mariners where he did pretty good. He's done pretty well as a starter. Evan in his career is kind of the move to the bullpen in 20 whenever the Mariners got Luis Castillo that and was pushed last year. Yeah, and so when that pushed him over to the bullpen, it kind of messed up his his numbers a bit and then he was in the bullpen full time to start this season kind of as that sixth starter out of the bullpen and he's just struggled in that reliever yeah. role. 
And even then, he was he was pretty good in 2022. Um, mm-hmm. Made 33 appearances, had an ERA of 373. He was good with the Mariners in 2021. Um, in 2020, he was that success story of he had a really strong season with the KBOs, Doosan Bears. And that's what brought him back to the MLB after the uh, after the Mets got rid of him, basically. And he's only 28 this season. He's he's not super old either. Um, I'm really interested to see how he does here. I hope he does well. I like Chris Flexen. I, I want him to. It's it, it's like we said with all the other guys. When you want him to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think he has good potential. I know this was a guy that you liked. That's something you like. That hoping he would come over. And now he gets to put it to the test. See what he can do against the Oakland A's and with the Rockies for the rest of the season or for however long he's around. But uh, good luck to Chris Flexen, who is now part of every Rocky ever, officially. Good for him. And then one last thing. Uh, We'll just mention it because we've harped on him a lot this season about them. Just the bullpen has continued to be fairly solid. No, the uns the unsung heroes of this season, keeping the ship alive, keeping the things afloat, pitching wise, because they have had to work a ton, and we've seen the cracks break through. But no, we've even seen the Rockies toying with the idea of using openers. Oh, Jake Bird being used as an opener has worked out. Thing, but bullpen has just continued to be very, very solid. Yeah, I'm I'm on paper the numbers from the bullpen are not great, but you have to look at how and we've said this before, they are picking up so much from this decimated rotation. They are working so much and the last couple times that we've had some rough outings from the bullpen, um they were not getting a lot of help. Um what what really comes to mind is Justin Lawrence and Daniel Bard against the the Nationals earlier in in the week where Justin Lawrence came out and worked an excellent inning of high leverage and then was kept out there and ended up throwing like 30 to 40 pitches. And that should not have happened. And then the, the next day you had Daniel Bard uh, blow the save opportunity and he was, he never really had control of his, his pitches and he was left out there for eight batters with a three batter minimum. Um, to the point where I, you know, it, it it's unfortunate that it doesn't happen, but I don't place all of the blame on their shoulders. The blame is that those were some those were some bad management decisions from from Buddy. And I defend Bud Black from a lot. I will not in this case. Those were not good decisions on his part for, for handling this bullpen. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of questionable moves throughout the season. Uh, but for the most part, like we said, bullpen. They just continue to be solid. Uh, all the guys out there, some good trade pieces. Hmm, hint, hint. Like Brent Suter, uh, who's back from injury. Still solid as a rock. Solid as a rock. He's... And and uh, yeah, all the homies out there do it. At, at this point, I don't even know who's in the bullpen anymore because of all the injuries and and the you know, shifting around constantly shifting around where Tommy Doyle's in there now, but he's probably not going to be there by the end of the day. Uh, because somebody's got to replace Chris Flexen's got to replace somebody, all kinds of stuff. Matt cook. I always forget about you now. Ty block is still out there. He hadn't pitched in like three weeks. Yeah. Ty and block then, has been active on this team for a while. And I think 
pretty much his sole purpose right now because he doesn't actually pitch that much is when we have to have a bullpen game which has yeah. been more often recently but he really isn't getting a lot of work yeah i'm gonna look this up real quick what's his game log uh while he's doing that um quickly worth mentioning that uh tyler kinley and brendan rogers are likely due back relatively soon. Both have been doing excellent in their uh, rehab assignments. Uh, they started with the Spokane Indians, and now they are uh, with AAA Albuquerque, and both have been uh, playing very well. Uh, Brendan Rogers hit a home run with Albuquerque in his last rehab start at time of recording. I would expect Brendan Rogers back within the next week or so, honestly. They want to get him 20 or so more at-bats. He's expected to play... Today is Saturday, tonight, tomorrow, and uh, maybe a couple more times in this coming week. Uh, also need to keep an eye out on what the Rockies do at or around the deadline to clear roster space for both of these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good to see those guys back, though, with all the injuries. Cool to see Brendan Rogers with, uh, we all assumed he was going to be out for the entire season, but he's back ahead of schedule. And please, 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 Brendan Rogers, don't get injured again. But anyway, uh, Ty Block rejoined the Rockies for his last, his first appearance back with the Rockies, July first. He pitched uh, a couple, two and a third innings, scoreless. Didn't pitch again in the month of July until July twenty third when he started that bullpen game against the Marlins. So two appearances in the month of July, July first and July twenty third. He's just been occupying space. That's a very Rockies thing right there. Like when when he started that game, I was like, Ty Block is still here? Like My I completely guess is forgot about him. It, it really is that they're key, they don't want to DFA him because they're unsure if he'll clear waivers, uh, especially at this time of year when other teams are wanting to try and pick up pitching. And they don't want to get rid of him in the case they need to break glass and have him start or uh, work in a bullpen game for extended amounts of time. Weird. Very odd. Weird. But hey, he's just getting to chill and he's getting paid for it. And then he's coming in and he's been good when he's come in. So maybe the key to tie block is because <laughs> in April he strove, but he was getting more regular work. So maybe the key to <laughs> tie block is he only gets to pitch twice a month. There you go. Anyways, on that bombshell. I've been watching a lot of Top Gear, so that's on the brain. Uh, that'll do it for here for this episode of Affected by Altitude. Hope you enjoyed it. We always appreciate you tuning in, leaving those reviews, uh, and please leave some more over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really helps support the show, helps get it out there more so people can listen to it and enjoy our shenanigans and whatnot. Uh, but, Evan, where can the folks find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am not calling it that. Um, no. At, at Evan underscore Lang 27 for as long as that garbage pile remains afloat. Um, Twitter is the great Pacific garbage patch of social media right now uh, that we can't really get rid of it and it just won't die. But you can find me on there. You can also find us at, at Rocky Mountain Rooftop. That's at R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-N Rooftop. Um, 
You can find me on Blue Sky at evanlang27.bsky.social. Um, those are really the main ones. And you can find me on purplerow.com doing Thursday rock piles most of the time. I'm going to have uh, Thursday and Friday next week, so that'll be fun. And, yeah. And then, for me, you can find me over on X. What a stupid name. It's uh, so Twitter. Dumb. It is what a 13-year-old boy trying to be cool is like, I'm going to I'm gonna call it X and everyone's going to have to think I'm so cool. Oh, boy. Uh, but you can find me over on the Twitters at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, that is also the same username over on Threads, which actually has a chronological timeline now, or at least following tabs. So that's getting better. You find me over there. Uh, and as well as Blue Sky, where it's S Timmins 13. That's S T I M M I N S 13, whatever the rest of the Blue Sky thingy is. Dot B S K Y dot social. Oh, they got to make that simpler. Yeah, uh, that's the that's the problem with a lot of these like decentralized or whatever they're calling them social media networks is that the the username system is very unwieldy. Yeah, if you're if the like the rest of the username has to be like an Xbox Live username, password, user, screen name. Ugh. Yeah, but we're hoping though that there. maybe Threads can continue to improve. The fact that there's a fo- a chronological following tab now really helps. Yeah, uh, and I am on Threads as well. It's at Evan underscore Lang twenty seven on Threads, yeah. and you can at least find Rocky Mountain Rooftop over on Instagram, and we'll work on getting it on the other social medias as well, and follow us on YouTube. And if you want to watch us, youtube.com slash at Rocky MTN rooftop. Yeah, we're getting them all out there. Oh, also, I do the Wednesday rock piles. And you can find find our stuff over on the fans first website. I can't remember what exactly it is. It is FFSN.app. Yeah, find it there. Hopefully, we're going to start trying to do more writing as well over there extra writing uh sometimes not always about the rockies but yeah more often than not i wrote an article about trevor story and what his return can do for a boston red sox team that is trying to get a playoff spot because their infield defense has been real bad Mm -hmm. good stuff so you can go check that out always follow us let's hear from you and i don't know why the episodes i host always run long but hey, they do. <laughs> <laughs> but that'll do it here for this edition of Affected by Altitude. Thank you always for joining with us, and we'll see you next time. Evan, hit him with it. Farewell. Hopefully our next episode is on Tuesday. Make trades. Trade Randall Gritchick and CJ Crone, and I don't know, do something about Yurts and Profar and Harold Castro. Farewell. Sell the team, Oakland. Jeff Fisher stinks. I'm so lonely. <laughs> <laughs>